Good morning. Good morning. Well, if you haven't guessed it yet, I am not Rabbi Stewart. Uh, I got a call from Rabbi Stewart, and he said they were not going to be able to make it this weekend, but they will be here next weekend with us. Uh, just be praying for them. They had some health issues, uh, but they, they said nothing is going to keep them from coming. So we're looking forward to them being with us next week. He is going to be speaking to us about what your support to them is doing all over the world, in, in Israel, in Belarus, in Ukraine, and in India. Uh, again, you don't realize that we just walk in here and we think about what's going on here because that's really easy to get tunnel vision. But what is happening is that the money that you give here, we give out. This is, uh, we're just a distribution point. And uh, we know that God has, has built relationships with us and people that are ministering all over the world. And it's our, our honor and our opportunity to make sure that they get the support that God has for them uh, financially, but also prayer support and encouragement and things like that. And Stuart and Chantal are, are just two of many, many uh, ministries that you support all over the world. We haven't finished, but the flags that are in the foyer as you walk in, there are a whole lot more, and they represent all the countries that you as a part of this church are able to support. So God is, God is doing such great things. He's so good. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Fathers, happy Father's Day. It's a special day. There's a group of kids that were asked, you know, what's the difference between Father's Day and Mother's Day? And they all kind of looked at each other. Nobody, it's just kind of like here, nobody wants to give the wrong answer. So nobody answered. And again, the teacher said, what's the difference between Father's Day and Mother's Day? one little hand went up and a little boy said, well, Father's Day is just like Mother's Day, except you don't have to spend as much on the gift. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Uh, my kids are, are so good to me, and, and I am so blessed by them. But it is Father's Day, and, and dads, we appreciate you. We appreciate who you are and what you do, and I want you to know that there is only one perfect father, and he's our heavenly father. We are all fathers in training, and uh, we have opportunities all the time to uh, have impact on kids and people all around. So don't ever, don't ever stop being a dad, amen? But if I could have the father stand right now. While you're standing, I'll let you know that as you leave today, there are some gifts for you. You can take one, and if you know a dad that probably isn't going to be... Uh, honored today take something for them and make sure you get it to them but we just want you to know we appreciate you uh, we can't just like we can't with the moms we can't uh, give you what you deserve you'll get that when you get to heaven but we just want to let you know that we love you and we appreciate you and we want to pray for you right now so if you're around a dad right now a father if you just reach your hand out to them Heavenly Father, we thank you for these men. We thank you for the gifts that they are. We thank you, Father, for uh, the life that they have led, that, Father, have impacted their children and other children and other people. Lord, your word says we can't sow except we reap. So, Father, we thank you for all the goodness that they have shown, the sacrifices that they have made, that you would multiply that back. And, Father, silence the accuser, because all, always we are accused by the enemy 
of our soul, and he's a liar. So we thank you right now, Father, for the encouragement that you give to these men, and they continue to spread to all the people they come in contact with. Bless them today and every day. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. Amen. Thank you, dads. Well, today we're going to continue on since uh, Rabbi Stewart isn't here. Uh, we're going to continue on learning about growing fruitful. And uh, John, if you put that first, first uh, slide up, we've been, we've been learning about fruitfulness in a variety of different situations and settings. And we began to look at what Jesus said about uh, being the vine, the true vine. And we're going to talk about fruitfulness concerning uh, a grapevine. And for all you dads that do the, the dad jokes, I don't do them. And Becky, I was thinking about you this morning when, when I, I saw this. And, and uh, uh, you can, I don't usually have great titles. I just kind of get them out there. And the title of this series has been uh, Grow Fruitful. And uh, today, just for the dads with the dad jokes, uh, we could title it Grape expectations. <laughs> Becky, I tried. <laughs> but uh, uh, we, we looked at John chapter 15, verse 6 uh, through uh, verse 8 and 16. Uh, and it's where Jesus was, was speaking to his disciples. And he said, when you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. And dropping down to verse 16, he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you and I orchestrated all of this so that you would be sent out and bear great and perpetual fruit. As you do this, anything you ask the father in my name will be done. What an amazing promise and provision. And this is part of the reason why we're learning about this, because time is growing short. The world is getting darker and more desperate. More damage is going on than ever before. And that's just an indication. One of the indications in the Bible that tells us the return of Jesus is coming. And we have to be prepared. But before he returns, there is this amazingly great harvest and you and I are supposed to be part of uh, the workers in that harvest. Uh, but today, uh, we see how important it is to Jesus, how important it is to the Father that we're, we're fruitful, that we're bearing fruit. Um, and, and in John chapter 16 or 15, he begins to talk about what this, this fruit is and how it's developed. Because fruit doesn't just happen. I will tell you this, when I was working, when I first started uh, out of college to work, I worked in the oil industry in California, but one of the things that I was given the opportunity and privilege to do was work on the first geothermal projects in the nation, where our nation was looking back 40 years ago or more to an alternative to uh, petroleum as uh, an energy source, and so geothermal where there were geysers, live steam geysers. We would go up to Northern California to do work on these geysers where we would, we would send instruments down a hole that was drilled into these live steam geysers uh, to find out how much uh, energy they would produce. And what we had to do from where our base was, we had to drive through vineyards, Napa Valley. 
and we would drive through these vineyards and the guys uh, would stop their trucks on the way back and buy cases and cases of wine. Now, uh, they were, there were so many volunteers to go on these jobs where it was always hard to get people, but these guys wanted to go through the vineyards. And you would travel through these vineyards and see uh, one, one after another rows of these grapes, and they were, they were magnificent. Uh, but you had to go through at the right time to see the grapes on the vine. And uh, it, it, was, it was very impressive. And when I think about this and think about what Jesus says, I am reminded of those times and, and uh, did, did some work uh, studying, trying to find out what it took to grow grapes. And grapes are one of the most difficult things to grow. They, they take a lot of work, a lot of intense work, a lot of continuous work. There's a lot of attention you have to give to them. And we're going to see uh, this in what Jesus said. But uh, before we go any further, I just want you to bow your heads. Let's pray. Let's let, invite God to speak to our hearts. Because the Bible says we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. And he's here. He's here with us. Uh, today, I have the privilege of being able to speak his word to you who he loves uh, and encourage you and exhort you and uh, challenge you and comfort you with the word of God. And so today, Father, we look to you. Our eyes are on you. Our trust is in you. You are the God of, of hope that fill us with joy and peace that we would abound to even more hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that hope is a confident expectation of good. Father, no matter where anyone is today, we can be people of great hope because we have a great God. And we thank you, Father, for knowing everything in detail. Nothing escapes your knowledge about each one of us and also the plan that you have for every one of us that's for good and not for evil with a future full of hope. So today, Father, uh, we thank you as your word goes forth. It'll bring forth healing because it's life and health to those who find it. We thank you as your word goes forth. It will bring uh, illumination because it's a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet and revelation that will help us to experience transformation, real eternal change in our lives. And Father, we thank you that as your word goes forth, it's truth and your truth sets us free. We thank you for freedom today from things that have hindered and hurt and harmed us. That, Father, we can walk in the light as you are the light. And we thank you, Father, for all of this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So we saw what Jesus said, but in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, the apostle Paul picks up kind of the same thing. And he's, this is part of a prayer that he prayed for the, the believers at Colossae, that you may walk and live and conduct your lives in a manner worthy of the Lord. So what, what, what is this, this life going to be like? Fully pleasing him and desiring to please him in all things. You know that that's what we were created for? Everything that was created, the Bible tells us, was created for God's pleasure. And yet there's been this twist and turn that's happened where most people are living not for God's pleasure, right, for their own pleasure. And that's, that's not just people that don't know Jesus. That's a majority of the church, of Bible believers. We're, we're, we're living our lives to get, and we should be living to give. 
Because the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. There's a blessing in receiving, but God has indicated in his kingdom and in his economy the way you really experience the abundant life is not looking for the next thing you can get. If you're looking for the next thing you get, it's because you're looking to get it so you can give it to wherever God has for it to go. And that abundant blessing begins to just overflow your life, and you experience that overflowing life. But he goes on to say, desiring to please him in all things, and this is what pleases God. Just like Jesus said, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing. Bearing fruit in every good work. You know, as Christians, sometimes we just get tired, don't we? Oh, you got to do better than that. Yeah, we all get tired. Man, we, we, you know, stuff is going on and it's one thing after another and we're just like, I got to take a break. Don't ever take a break from God. Because now it'd be like taking a break from breathing. Not a good idea. So we, we sometimes get tired and, and we want to rest and, and, and yet God wants us to produce and God has an ability for us by the grace of God by the goodness of God, the generosity of God, to be able to produce these good works. And these good works are what impact the people around us. There's inside fruit and outward fruit. And the works that you and I do, the Bible says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto all good works. Those good works, the, the scripture says, people will see and glorify your Father in heaven. And this is the fruit, these fruit of our good works. Uh, we aren't saved by works. But once we're saved, works ought to be a part. There ought to be a fruit in our life that's evidence that we are saved, just like the, the actions that we take. We don't do what we used to do the way we used to do it. I knew I wouldn't get a big amen on that one because it's usually oh me because we always go through, for the rest of our lives here in this earth, we're always going through the process of, of having to put off some things that we used to do all the time. It was just a part of us. And we almost relate to it. I can't get rid of that. That's who I am. I used to say that to God all the time about my anger problem. I was a very angry person, explosively angry. And, and when God started to reveal to me, that's not what I have for you to do. That's not the way I have for you to be. And I said, but I found a scripture. <laughs> have you ever reminded God of the scriptures? Like he forgot? The enemy did that, and God never forgot. But, but I, I, I said, look, the Bible says be angry. I am. You know, sometimes we take scriptures out of context. It says be angry and sin not. And, and so there are things that happen in us. God gave us emotions to enhance and, and um, cause our life to be abundant, but never to cause our life to be controlled by them. And I was allowing my life to be controlled by that. And I needed to put away that where I wasn't aggressively angry. I wasn't uh, angry explosively. Uh, anger happens. It still happens in my life. But I don't allow it to control my life because I've given control to somebody else. And that's Christ. And so in the moment, I don't react to it, but I turn to respond to God. And you might say, well, gosh, you've done a great job. I don't get it right all the time but I'm getting it right more often than I used to because I'm a work in progress, just like all of us are a work in progress. And so the Apostle Paul tells us that we should, 
We should live a life, and he was praying for them, live a life that's worthy, being pleasing to God, desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing, steadily growing. And then again, he, he, had, he was on a roll. He prayed for the Philippians, the Philippian believers in Philippians chapter 1, uh, verse 11. And this was another prayer of Paul's, uh, that he prayed that the Philippians would always be filled with the fruit of, of their salvation. See, this is an inward work that works it out too. It's got to be working in us. There ought to be a change in our character, the characteristics of our life. When people see us, they say, oh yeah, that's Dave Parker. And as they watch us and observe us and, and, and get around us, they think, that looks like Dave Parker, but it doesn't act like the Dave Parker I know. Dave didn't do that. He did other things. This is a different Dave. Because that's what God does in our life. If, if we have received Jesus as Lord of our life, as the master in our life, the way we live our life should, should change and should be an ongoing change that people are observing. Uh, the closest people to us are observing this change that's going on, this fruit in our life that's being transformed from, from dead works, works of the flesh, to the fruit of the Spirit, where there's now joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. All, all of these things that may not have been really abundant in our life, the more we walk with Christ, the more we yield to God having control of our lives, these characteristics become just an everyday part of our life. And people are going to look at us and say, man, you look like the person I knew, but you don't act like the person I knew. You're a different kind of person, which is exactly what the Bible tells us. When we come to Christ, we become a new creation in Christ. Old things pass away. But how many of you know some of this stuff doesn't pass away as quick as we want? Right? It doesn't pass away as easy as we want. Because God's at work. And God doesn't do this alone. We're going to see today in John chapter 15 where there are three, three aspects to this. And God is really responsible. He is the, the uh, promoter. He's the one that instigates and energizes the first two. But the last one... It's really us taking the initiative. Now, both, all three of them are a cooperative between us and God. But it's, it's important to recognize when God, we need to have God take the lead. And there are times God's waiting for you to take some action. Hello? You know, but we always want to say, well, I'm waiting on God. I think more often than not, God's waiting on us. To get in gear and to just walk out what we know, let go of the things he, he's made clear that we shouldn't be doing because those things are like anchors, not good anchors holding us sturdy. They're bad anchors holding us back from what God has for us to be and what God has for us to do. And like I said, time's growing short and uh, we, we really need to realize that he's coming back soon for a church without spot or wrinkle. I know that means for me there's work that's got to be done in me to get me to that place. And I want that. I want that very much. goes on to say, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, that's what the fruit is, that righteous character. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Again, three times we've read 
that this fruit is characteristic of what brings glory to the Father. The Bible tells us that the people around us will see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. They should see a real change. But sometimes we just sit back and we pray, God, change me, God, change me, God, change me. And I want you to understand, God wants you changed, but God won't make you change. That is not God's job to make you change. It's to assist in the change. Because he's not going to violate your choice, your freedom of choice. You and I are going to choose. God loves us so much that he is not going to control us. He's not going to dominate us. And he is going to invite us and make every opportunity for us to choose the change that would bring forth abundant life and step away from the things that are robbing life from us. Robbing the peace, robbing the joy. Where we're able to live a life of absolute confidence, not in what's happening, but in the one who's with us in the midst of what's happening that will bring us through into the good that he's prepared. Because that's, that's who he is and that's what he does. And so uh, with this in mind, what the Apostle Paul has said, what Jesus has said, we're going to go back to John chapter 15. We're going to read through the first 11 verses, and then we're going to go back and start to take them apart and see how is this going to work in our lives. Because, church, really, there is a work that God wants to do that we need him to do in us, and there's a part of the work we need to take responsibility for and begin to do because we, we have a, a, so many choices every day, and, and there are so many things that are pulling at us, trying to get our attention and our affection and our allegiance. And if it's not God, what, whatever it is that we're giving our time to, our talents to, our treasures to, it's either going to rob from us. Anything other than God will rob from us. We'll be with less than we started out with because that's what the enemy does and that's what this world does. And yet the Bible tells us we're in this world, but not of this world. So in John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it says this, and this is Jesus teaching. He said, I'm the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch, cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So he's telling us right there that this fruit bearing is not possible for us to just do on our own. Now, where, where on a vine or on a tree does usually fruit show up? Right. On the branches. It's usually where the new growth is. And that, that's, that's a great thing to know, but it's also a challenge to, to us as Christians. If there's not been a, not a lot of new growth in your life as a Christian, there's probably not a lot of fruit in your life. It's important that we realize that we need to become mature and stable and secure, but we should always be green and growing. Because that's where the fruit is going to be, where the growth occurs. It goes on to say, 
Go ahead. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't notice that. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch as in, and, as in, and, and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the, the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now, again, we, we, we read this, we've looked at this, but we're going to back up and look at verse 1 through 5 and just see that in this, in this portion of Scripture, in verse 4 through 10, that's seven verses, ten times Jesus says something about abiding. This is one of the key features of how we grow. But there are three different types of situations and, and progressive situations uh, when he says, I am the vine and the Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, that's the first situation. Branches that don't bear fruit. A branch in him, it's connected in him. But we're not bearing fruit. You know, like I said, there's fruit. There's the fruit of our lips giving thanks. There's the fruit of good works, that people will see God and glorify him. There's the fruit of the Spirit. There's fruit in our lives when we be, we're a part of bringing someone to salvation. That's eternal fruit that God wants us all to be a part of. You know, it's not supposed to be just one or two or three or four in a group of people that are witnesses for Christ. Most of us are terrified of having to be a witness for Christ. And yet, that was the very thing that on the day of Pentecost, before Pentecost came, Jesus told the disciples, don't leave until you receive power from on high, that the Spirit of God would come upon you, that you would be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth, that you'd be witnesses to me everywhere in everything you do. And yet, if, if we talk about witnessing, a lot of people think that's going door to door, knocking on the door and saying, do you know Jesus? That's not what it is. That witness, part of the fruit in our lives is that witness. It, it's us being involved and interacting with other people and impacting them, not forcing them. We're not telemarketing Jesus. Seriously. Because not a one of us sitting here would really sit down and say, I can't wait until that telemarketer calls. And the reason why is you feel like you're being told you need to get something you don't need, and if I don't need it and you're telling me I need it, then I'm confused and you're confused. There ought to be such a confidence in us as Christians because of what our lives have, have experienced in transformation because Jesus has been made Lord of our lives, such a confidence that we're not trying to sell anybody. We're just excited about what God's doing in our lives. When you go to a new restaurant and it's good, what is your natural tendency to want to do? All right, go back. That's, that's one of the first things you, you know, before you even leave, we need to come back here. All right, but then what's the second thing you want to do? Man, you want to tell somebody else, not, not your enemies, but you want to tell somebody you care about. 
You're not trying to force them, you need to go to that, that restaurant I went to, you know. Because if you don't, you're going to miss a great meal. You think they're going to head over there? Absolutely not. But if you're just natural and you're excited about what happened, I had the greatest meal the other day. It was right over here. Man, I can't wait to get back. What do you think that's going to do in that person? Man, that's going to create desire in them and interest. They're going to want to know, what, where is this restaurant? What do they serve? And, and so all of a sudden, they're starting to move that direction. That's what God wants. God wants people moving towards him. And we are the means by which God uses to move people towards him. Not force, not shove, not drive, not make them go because of fear, but because we're so in love and, and so grateful and so overwhelmed by what God's done in our lives. And I'm telling you, God has done more in our lives than we any of us know. And it's all good. Every bit of it's good. In this, in this portion of Scripture, we see that there are three types of, of ground. The first one I just read, ground that doesn't, or branches that don't bear fruit. It, it correlates very much with what was in Mark chapter 4 where it talked about the three different types of grounds, the first types that didn't bear any fruit, and then the last type that had 30, 60, and 100-fold production. And I asked you back then, what would you want in your life? Do you want 30? Do you want 60? Or do you want 100-fold production in your life that, that would bring glory to God? And all of us wanted the maximum. And that, that takes partnership, us and God working together. But right here we see branches that don't bear fruit. And it says uh, in verse 2, every branch. Uh, John, could we just go to the, the portion of Scripture of verse 2 and verse 5, showing them together? Thank you. Uh, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So we've got... Two different situations, branches that don't bear fruit, and what the vine dresser does. And who was the vine dresser? Does anybody remember? God the Father. And Jesus is the vine, and we're the branches. But God the Father begins to work for us who are non-fruit bearing. We're just not bearing any fruit. And there are Christians that are just not bearing any fruit. But God's going to work. God's going to to minister and, and get involved in our lives to the degree we let him because we can keep God at arm's distance, right? You know, God has, has for you to experience, for me to experience, for all of us, saved and unsaved, but the only way it happens is through Jesus to experience an overflowing, abundant life, a life of peace and joy and health, prosperity, spirit, soul, and body. But not everybody does, and not any of us experience it completely. So there's always this ongoing tension of where we are and where God has for us to be, because God always wants to lead us on. And the way we know this is we've heard that the Bible tells us that he wants to take us from glory to what? Glory to glory. That means progress. That means change. That means letting go of some of the things that we used to have to be able to enter into the the abundance that God has. You know, Israel couldn't enter into the promised land until they were willing to leave the wilderness. 
And right now there are Christians trying to get one foot in the wilderness and one foot in the promised land. And the gap's growing wider and wider. You're not going to be able to stand. You've got to choose. But right here he says in the branches that don't bear fruit, he takes them away. Now I want to tell you that that our, our Bibles are amazing things. But God has told us as believers we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved. When Paul was teaching, there was a group of people that were listening to him as he taught. And their name, they were the Bereans. And Paul said the Bereans were more noble than anybody else there sitting listening to him because they did something. What they did was they listened to Paul intently. And then they went back to study to make sure what Paul was saying was accurate. You know, I, I have to tell you, we, we, it's very dangerous for us to just listen wholesale to anybody. We have been programmed in America to listen to the experts. It, it started a long time ago. And it started in, in politics. That was one of the main areas this, this began in, where we would have political speeches, and then we'd have the talking heads that came in behind and would explain to us what they just said. All right? It happened in news, where it went from reporting the facts to giving you a perspective of what they thought about what happened. And one of the things that's happened that has been a terrible thing for America is we are not critical thinkers anymore. We don't take time to sit down and really critically think about, and I'm not saying in a bad way, but really critique, understand what's being said, and does this line up? Is this accurate? And if you don't know what the Bible says, you can't tell what's, what's true and what's not true because people are so incredibly convincing. And people that stand behind pulpits can be incredibly, incredibly convincing. But you better know that what's coming out is lining up with the word. Because if you don't, that's part of the deception of the day. We need to know truth. And if we don't know truth, the Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. Not lack of knowledge, not lack of information, the truth of God's word. Because the moment we get off track, we begin to move into the realm of sin. And what does sin pay off? The wages of sin death. is death. Is death. Most of the time. That's right. All the time. All the time. It's, it's, a, it's a lock. The moment we get off track with God, we're moving towards something being destroyed in our life. Something being stolen in our life. Because it's the work of the enemy. We can't afford to do that. Not just for our lives, but for our family's lives, for our friends' lives, for, for our neighbors and our co-workers, for the people in our city, in our country, in our world. But this, this right here, it says that those branches that are in him that don't bear fruit, they take away. In 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God. Study. Just like the Bereans, they went back and they studied, they looked, they made sure that it lined up with what truth was. And the reason why God's word tells us to study is sometimes 
we've, we've got the, the translations, the best that they were at the time, but I want to tell you this is a very poor translation. Because God doesn't take somebody that's in him and cut them off. He's not going to just say, well, you're not doing anything. I'm cutting you off. You're no longer a part of me. That's not what this says. It's what it says, but it's not what it means. Because where it's translated takes away. That's the third level used very, very uh, exclusively in the New Testament to mean take away. But there are three prior definitions to this word that are used more often throughout the New Testament. And what it actually is, it says the branch that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. He raises up. He pulls up. And then the last definition is takes away. But before that, in, in your awareness and knowledge of who God is, is God a loving God? Is God a, a God that just gets rid of anyone or anything that isn't doing what he wants? No, he so loved the world, he gave his son for people who hated him. He never gives up. This is a give up, and God doesn't give up. And so that's where it didn't make sense. And as I studied this, I, I found that, you know, that's what it says. It says this, but it means when, when a... A, vine, a branch doesn't bear fruit, he lifts it up. And it, it's exactly what happens in the natural realm of tending a vineyard. When a person has a vineyard, they have people that are vine dressers, people that walk through the vineyards every day, multiple times a day. And this is why. When they walk through the vineyard, you know, if you ever see, John, could we go to, let me see, uh, the first, first picture, number one. When you see a vineyard planted, they plant these little vines and they have to immediately start to cause them to wrap around a stick to get them off the ground. Because if, if these vines, these grape vines lay on the ground, they will never produce fruit. Never. The reason why is... When it rains, they get wet and mildewed. They get dusty and they don't get the nutrition from the sun that they need. And so they can't possibly bear fruit. And so they will try to grow, but they'll never grow well. And so they start them up this pole. And then as they grow older, go to the second one, John. What happens is they're growing up no longer can they just have the pole supporting them because they've got branches that are running out. And they've got a trellis system that these branches have to come along. But one of the things about grapevines is that they don't like to grow up. They like to grow along the ground. And they never produce when they do that. So the, the vine dresser sees this, this branch that's growing and because of the effects of gravity it begins to be pulled down back to the earth, even if it's been put up on a pole or on a trellis. Not unlike us. We got to be lifted up in our life with Christ from being what we used to do. And that is just being a part of this earth. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. 
And so God has for us to be growing up, but it's going to take intentionality. We've got to be intentional. And we can't do this ourselves. And so the vine dresser helps us start to grow up that pole. And then as the branches start to go, go out and gravity starts to pull on them, just like sin starts to pull on you and me. You know the pull of sin. We all know it. And it starts to pull us back to the earth. The vine dresser sees it, comes along, and picks that branch up and starts to wrap it around the trellis. Now, understand, that's not where the branch wants to go. That's not what the branch wants to do. But it's what the branch needs. See, we, we think we know what we need. But the only one that truly knows what we need is God. And we don't need to be pulled back to the old things. We need to be lifted up. We need to be trained to be in a position where we can bear fruit for God instead of being down in the dust of the earth, being covered with the sin of the world, going back like the pig does to the mud. But this is what God does. God does this for us. And John, if you would go to four. See, that's, that's what the vine looks like. It's got to start curling around. But once, once it's up there, it doesn't stay up there. It wants to keep coming down. It's just like you and me every day. We've got to be aware that there is this pull of the world, pull of sin, pull of things that are trying to destroy our life and in times past did destroy our lives. You know, I, was, I, I have been very open and honest with you about the fact that I was an alcoholic. I was addicted had an addiction to alcohol. I was, had an addiction to pornography. And I want you to know that stuff still tries to pull on me. And I've got to be intentional about the fact that I'm not going to give in to that. That used to have a hold on me. It used to, to uh, destructively control my life, but it is not controlling it anymore. And this is why. It's not because I am just been so dedicated it's because I recognize I have this, this propensity, this weakness, this frailty to move towards this stuff. And I can't trust me. I can't trust me. And I can't do what I want to do, what my body craves and what my, my past reminds me of. Because there's somebody I want to live for. And it starts with Jesus. I want to live for Jesus first. But I also want to live my life in a way that honors God, but also blesses my wife, my children. Doesn't embarrass my family or my friends, which is what that stuff used to do. And it was destroying my life. It was destroying my marriage. It was destroying my ability to work. It was destroying my health. That vine just kind of going back down. And God lifted me up. And God has helped train me so that I can stay on the right level. But it doesn't mean every day there's not a pull. 
Some days more, more challenging than others. John, if you would go back to the scripture, verse 2 and 5. Thank you. So the first one is, is no fruit, and then it says he lifts it up, which makes a whole lot more sense. He lifts up that vine. He doesn't cut it off. He's not going to cut you off. He's going to lift you up. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So he lifts up branches, and then the branches that are up there that are starting to bear fruit, he prunes. So the first grouping is no fruit to, to fruit. That's the 30. In Mark chapter 4, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. This is how we experience the 30-fold fruitfulness in our life. Going from no fruit to fruitfulness, there's a lifting up. We've got to, God's the one that initiates. He lifts us up. But we've got to be willing to stay where God puts us. Because if we keep going back to the stuff that destroyed us, God's going to keep lifting us up, but we're going to keep running back. And it becomes an exercise in frustration. There's no progress. And then when we start to bear fruit, he prunes us so that we would bear more fruit. Just like it says in that verse, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So we go from some fruit to more fruit. That's the 60-fold. Well, how do we get from some fruit to more fruit, the 60-fold, through pruning? God prunes us. And yes, that is, there is a cutting. Listen, what is it in your life that you tried to attain to and it didn't take any effort, any discipline? It just, it's like going uphill, you just coast. Some of you aren't even listening. <laughs> when was the last time you saw somebody coast uphill? I saw it the other day. I was riding my bike, and they were, they were just, this guy passed me. I was like, no. But he was younger. That's my excuse. And I'm just trying to make it up, and I get to the top of the hill, and there's another hill. I'm like, does this ever end? But there was a little dip, and so I coasted down the little hill, and I thought, I hope, I hope I remember in physics if there's enough mass, it'll give momentum for me going uphill. So I thought I had a shot. <laughs> and I started up the hill, but gravity grabbed me. And I was like, wow, this stinks. You just don't coast uphill. But God's taking you from glory to glory. There is an effort. There is a discipline. There is a, something in us that we need to be able to contribute to go where God has for us to go and to, to be what God has for us to be. It's the grace of God, but it's us receiving the grace and allowing the grace to energize us and, and uh, guide us and govern us. So this is the, the 60. 60. Pruning gets us to that 60. And then it says in verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. So we've got no fruit to fruit fruit to more fruit, more fruit to much fruit. And that word much means abundant, overflowing. It is the maximum. And, and that's where, John, if you just uh, put up number three, 
Picture number three. You'll see that those little vines that were there that were starting to be trained, their, their branches were going along. Now they're really growing. The stalk, the whole vine of it uh, is thicker and stronger. Do you know that there's a, uh, supposedly the oldest and the longest vine in the world is 245 years old. The branches go out between 108 and 100, no, 206. 60, 260 feet. And that, that vine is still producing fruit. It produces between 500 and 700 bunches of grapes a year. You know how that happened? It wasn't by accident. It was because somebody has put in this time. And the stalk of the root... The, the trunk of the root, let me get this right because I, I, I thought I missed, yeah, the circumference of the root is 12, and a, 12 feet 6 inches in circumference. Yeah. But somebody over the years, generation after generation, continued to tend that vine, take care of that vine. And that's what the Bible tells us, even in our old age we'll bear fruit if we're allowing things to go on God's way. Because the enemy is always there to steal, kill, and destroy. Always there to rob what God has for you and what God has through you. And so, John, put up number five. This was the first one you saw when we started this out. This is, this is what this fruit starts to look like. And then number six, John. This kind of reminds us of that that great vine, that amazing vine that is so old and still producing fruit, it doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen except someone did a lot of work and put a lot of attention and effort into the vine, and the vine complied. You know, it's different when we're dealing with nature and something like this. The vine isn't going to be there saying, stop it, leave me alone. I don't want to do that. But it, in its own way, it's trying to get back to the ground. And if those branches are allowed to get back to the ground, if the growth, growth goes back to the ground, it's not going to produce. And it's going to get sick, and it's eventually going to die. And the enemy's out there trying to do that every day, pull you back to the ground. And God has for you to be lifted up. And next week, we're going to hear an amazing message from Stuart. I'm sorry that, that you came out today and you weren't able to hear him, but you will next week. Just make another effort to be out here. And uh, you'll hear what God's done through your giving in the lives of people that you'll never know this side of heaven. But one day you will. And God's going to pull back the curtain and say, do you see these people? These are people that you had an impact on because you let me work through you and work in you. I'm just going to end here. I know it's a little early, and maybe, maybe it's because I want the dads to get out to wherever you're going to eat. Usually, do you know on Father's Day, usually people don't go out to eat? Do you know on Father's Day, more people barbecue... Do you know what that means? 
<laughs> Pete, what's it mean? Yeah, it's, it's the dads that are cooking. What kind of gift is that? <laughs> oh, pretty interesting. If you just bow your heads. If you're here today and, and uh, we're, we're so grateful everyone is here that you made the effort to come out. And again, you'll be rewarded next week as, as you're able to hear Stuart and Chantal and, and be informed. But coming out is one part of it. Making the adjustment God has. When, when we hear from God, you know, a lot has been said here today, but there's something specifically, uniquely, and wonderfully for you. And it's important that you get that. That's what the Bible calls the rhema word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. It's a weapon that God entrusts to you to be able to fight the good fight of faith. And uh, recognize it, retain it, and then apply it to your life. It's not good enough just to hear it. It's got to get in. You've got to retain it. And then it, it's got to work its way out again in your life. The word of God that's living and powerful. If you're here and you've never turned to Christ and trusted in Christ, that's where it all begins. Until we have relationship with the living God, and it's an opportunity to relate with him every day, everywhere, all the time. And he made sure of that because he sent his son to die to pay the price for sin that separated us from him. And then when his son was raised from the dead, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that sits at the right hand of the Father and his Father sent back Holy Spirit to live in us when Jesus became Lord of our lives so that we would never be alone. We'd never have to battle alone or, or live life alone. He's there. But it only happens when we recognize who Jesus is, what he did. We repent. We turn away from running our own lives and turn it over to God, and we receive that forgiveness. So today, if you have never done that, you've never receive Christ as Lord, I want to pray with you. And I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I do want to know one thing with every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, if you would just acknowledge it, not to me, but acknowledge it with your hand raised to God. Because that's the first step of owning the fact that you need a Savior. That I trust everyone here is. And if you're not and you're just concerned about raising your hand, see me after service and we can pray. But for the rest of us that are Christians, it's an everyday walk. It's an everyday battle. It's also an everyday victory that we can have as we allow God to, to do what he has designed and desired in us, which is always good. It doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always look good or sound good, but it always works out for good because that's what he is. He is a good father and every good and perfect gift comes from him. But today... Today, I'm asking you to consider, take stock of your life. What, what's the fruit? What's the fruit level? Is it, is it 30-fold? Is it 60-fold? Is it 100-fold? If you don't know, ask somebody that's close to you, do you see any fruit in my life? And be honest. Don't be blowing smoke at each other. Be honest. If you don't see fruit, tell them, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of fruit in your life. And then... Own it. 
Because you can't get to where God has for you to go until you acknowledge where you are. But just realize wherever you are, God's there. And he cares. And he is there to help lift you. And at times prune you to cause your life to be more fruitful than anyone ever dreamed except for him. He's known it all the time. And he is committed to you to help you become the best you that he knows you can be. Heavenly Father, right now I pray for every one of your children here. I thank you for your presence with them. I thank you for your provision and plan for them that's for good with a future and a hope. I thank you, Father, for your power to lift our lives out of the dirt of sin, to help keep us going from glory to glory. But, Father, it's not something you do on your own. Help us to be willing and obedient, desiring your will in our lives more than we desire our own ways. Help us to decrease that you would increase, just as you, Lord, said. We have to deny ourselves. But in denying ourselves, we're denying things that have robbed from us. And follow you, which is going to bring us into the abundance that you have desired and designed for us. Father, I thank you for the work that you're doing in your children to will and to do your good pleasure. That you are faithfully with us. You also faithfully go before us and prepare the way. And you are also our rear guard, guarding us from being overtaken by anything but what your Bible says is our heritage as your children, which are blessings. You have for our lives to be abundantly blessed so we can be an abundant blessing everywhere we go. Bringing glory to your name and revealing your character and your kingdom to all those around us. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. would you stand? Again, last thing, remember that there are gifts, Dad, out there on a counter. Uh, take one for yourself. If you know a dad that may not be getting a gift, you want to take one to him, take one to them and tell them that they are loved and blessed by God. Boilermaker, you, if you are here and you're going to be participating on the, is it the 10th, Jeremy? On the 10th, you've got to make this meeting today. Because without making this meeting, you'll not get your credentials, which means you'll be stopped short of where you want to be serving and God wants you to be serving. So that's second service. And uh, VBS, be praying. Please be praying for VBS for the children. We will reach the children God has for us to reach, for the workers, for all the supplies. Uh, this, is, this is an amazing opportunity. And please be praying for Rabbi Stuart and Chantal. So you got a lot of things to do. Busy, busy, busy. Well, I just want to pray for you before you go. Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessing on each and every one of your children. Thank you, Father, for this day that you've given us. We will rejoice and be glad in it. But, Father, it's not just this day. We're grateful that the sun's shining. But, Father, we bless you and praise you when it's storming because you're still the same God. And even though the clouds of life may hinder our view of you, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you are always good, and every good and perfect gift comes from you. So we trust you. We celebrate you.
as the greatest father of them all. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being a great dad. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Have a great week.